0: Uh, How are you doing? Good. Hey, I'm celebrating the NBA playoffs by drinking at Tully's and buying a new Seahawks shirt. That's how I'm doing it uh, this year. Uh, We'll get a team here pretty soon. Uh, This has been a great series. We started last week. Uh, Now, the Man Series, you might be wondering if this is your first week, uh, what this is about. This is about guests. Men, yes, yeah, see, it's really intuitive, isn't it? Uh, and uh, last week was really for women about men. Uh, we, as we uh, helped you to decode uh, men, we looked at an account in the Bible uh, that uh, really, I think, was instructive for us. Next week, I'm going to wrap it up on Father's Day. And today, I'm looking at what men fear. Because uh, fear is a big deal uh, for men. Anger and fear really, in some ways, pretty much... <gasps> Excuse... Excuse me. <laughs> Gosh, I'm just... I felt like I was going through puberty again or something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, you know, as we look at uh, uh, fear, I had a, have had some great experiences lately. Uh, my youngest daughter is almost uh, to the point where she's getting her driver's license. And so we're practicing together. And so my prayer life has increased tremendously uh, during this period of time. Literally, you know, normally when I'm driving, I'm just driving along. This time uh, at random points, I go, oh, Lord Jesus Christ. I call out to him, pray. And actually, she's going to be a pretty good driver. Uh, But isn't it interesting how uh, your fears... Uh, and this is going to apply for, to women as well, how your fears can change over time. Uh, what, what really uh, causes you fear? And in fact, uh, there was an article in the London Daily Mirror on new fears uh, that people have in society. I'm going to see if, uh, if you can guess what some of these are. The, can anyone guess what that is? Nomophobia. Literally, it's a new fear. It's there. It's a... Uh, it's no mobile phone. <laughs> it's that you lost your phone. Yeah, some of you look for your phone right at that moment. That's really, uh, here's, here's a, a, another one. Wow, <laughs> eto uh, You have any idea what that is? It's fear of being edited, fear of people criticizing you. Here's another one here, uh, carbophobia. Fear of carbohydrates, yeah, here's a, uh, this is an interesting, xenophobia, fear of empty rooms, uh, which is what every pastor fears during the summer. <laughs> so, so glad that there's so many people here uh, today. Free air conditioning, I don't know, care what it was, but I'm glad that you're here. Uh, uh, cyberphobia, fear of uh, computers, which is a great excuse for not paying bills or wasting your time watching cat videos. Uh, euphobia, that's fear of good news. If you're a Debbie Downer, you like that, but you're hard to be around. Uh, this is a, um, I can't pronounce this, um, phallophobia. That is, anyone wanna guess what that is? Fear of belly buttons. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, is there's more bare midriffs, people are afraid of that. Uh, that this, this is another one, uh, Clismophobia. Uh, which is fear of enemas. Uh, but by the way, I don't think that's a new fear. I, I think that's a fear uh, we all had. This is really, this is in the newspaper. It was on the internet, so it's gotta be true. Uh, can anyone guess this one? Uh, chronophobia. Fear of time passing, fear of getting older. It's happening every second of your life. Okay, Uh, (laughs) right to phobia. And uh, this one is, uh, anyone guess that one? Fear of getting wrinkles. Isn't that interesting? In fact, at, my wife and I were getting ready uh, for church uh, last week, and, and I, I think I made an error, because she, she said, hey, can I have the wrinkle releaser? You know what downy wrinkle releaser is? And uh, so she asked for that, and I really wasn't thinking. And instead, I handed her the retinol cream. <laughs> It didn't go really well. So uh, if I didn't preach well uh, last Sunday, it's because I got yelled at. Anyway, (laughs) the truth is, is that we, especially as men, uh, are often less in touch with our emotions, which what we think, by the way, we're less emotional. What truly and uh, truly what happens is We make emotional decisions and we're less aware of what drove them. That's what's true for most men. And today I am primarily talking to men, although I think women will uh, identify with almost all of this as well. And and we're going to look at what keeps us from uh, what we read in Psalm 23, verse 1. This is a great verse. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Or as I learned it, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Now it's interesting, we're going to get back to this in a moment. Uh, David writes this in the 23rd Psalm, uh, where he's primarily talking about the struggles he had and the fears. Uh, that he dealt with we're going to go back to David we're not going to look just at the 23rd psalm today we're going to look a little more broadly the themes in in the writing there as he struggled uh, with fear himself there are some fears that I think are particularly acute for men and one is the easy one is uh, fear of failure Uh, that's one uh, that w- we just don't want to fail. Now, now we can often think of this in terms of work. Uh, men, uh, if we fail at work, that can be very, very difficult. I've said this before. Uh, if you're dating a guy or if you're married and uh, he gets laid off, be super careful how you talk about that or if he's having trouble at work because guys have a lot of uh, identity in that. But, but elsewhere, men in general... Uh, will not try where they don't feel like they can succeed. And so it's really important. By the way, uh, ladies, men are super easy to manipulate. So uh, you want to take notes during this message. I mean, you're going to be able to get him to do pretty much whatever you want him to do. Uh, (laughs) If he feels successful at something, he'll try at it. Uh, But if not, there'll be a tendency, and this is not an excuse, and it really should be no excuse, uh, to to withdraw and to not try to do that. So if you're dealing with maybe a son or, or, or someone at work, uh, that's important. If people feel like they're ultimately going to fail no matter what, I think this is true of all people, but men in particular, uh, they will simply stop trying. And then there's the fear of being found out. Uh, one of the things we talk about at Timberlake Church is a low shame level. And that's not just to make you feel good. That's because we want maximum spiritual growth. As we're looking at sort of what God's doing, the spiritual steps people are taking in church. It is amazing what's happened: uh, accepting Christ, baptized, you name it, serving, uh, all these different areas. And it happens when people feel like it's okay to be imperfect. It's okay uh, to to have struggles. See, fear of being found out, when we hide our shame and our sin, uh, there's no transformation in that. And in fact, one of the most dangerous things is if we come into church and you feel like you have to act like you have it all together, because, you know, you look and you see the pastor and you say, oh, he's like perfect, and, you know, it's really a struggle for you. No. (laughs) Some of you just, you just came to Jesus because you said, if God will accept him, then anyone, anyone. But... But the truth is, when we hide, there's no healing. Rick Warren said that. There's there's no healing in hiding. Uh, It says in the scripture if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, Someone who you're going to hear their testimony uh, sometime because he wanted to share it, who's struggling with an issue of pornography for pretty much his whole adult life and he said he came to his wife and they talked about it and yeah it was difficult but it was the most freeing thing and and she said because she thought it was something honestly even much worse than that Uh, but we have this fear of being found out and then the next one is fear of missing out Uh, that's Uh, why guys will try stupid things. That starts when men are in junior high and never ends. Uh, (laughs) Then there's uh, fear of insignificance, uh, that what I do won't matter and that who I am won't matter. Uh, There can be fear of this even uh, in the home, definitely in the workplace and school and social structures. And then fear of messing up uh, with your family. Uh, I was reading... Uh, a bunch of articles on men in fear, and most of them were secular, and almost all of them included that—that that, you know, am I a good dad when I do I have kid when I have kids? Will I be a good dad? Uh, here's the key idea: A man loses focus when his fear exceeds his faith. Uh, there's something about uh, fear that can paralyze us. So here's what I want you to do is I want you to write down uh, on your uh, program, uh, you can write it in code so no one sees it and tweets it, you know, weird person sitting next to me in church or whatever. uh, What is a fear uh, that you struggle with? Uh, What is is something that has paralyzed you from moving forward uh, in your life? Maybe it's just simple, uh, uh, not simple, but maybe it's a social anxiety. It could be something that I didn't mention. So I want to go back to King David, because if you look at King David, you'd say, well, what did he struggle with the most? Well, one could be impulse control. That would be one. Uh, It could be an anger issue. There's lots of things that David struggled with. But I think if you read the Psalms, you'll see that David battled fear more than anything else. Now, how can I, I say that? I say that because uh, the Psalms are a devotional theology. In those, we learn uh, not only about God, we learn about the person, in this case, King David, most of them were written by him, his experience with God. I've said this before, and that when you read the Psalms, they're not all literal. For example, when it says in Psalm 50, verse 10, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, that's not a, a listing of all God's assets or... Uh, later on when it says in Psalm 68, David prays the prayer, Oh God, bash in the heads of my enemies. That's not like what you're supposed to do at work on Monday morning. That's, <laughs> that, that's, that's not instruction for you. But it's how he felt. And it's also part of those psalms are a reflection of how God showed up during the most difficult times in his life. Now the Psalms as well are not, as we have them in our Bible, they're not uh, necessarily in chronological order. And so we, we have to dig a little deeper uh, through the text and through history to understand uh, which came when. But we get an idea of David's struggle uh, with, with fear. It says in Psalm uh, 56 verses 4 through 6, my heart is in anguish within me, the terrors have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me, he said. Oh, that I may have the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Uh, that's a cheery one, right? What were you giving your kids out as a memory verse today? You know, No, not really, I hope. Uh, but he's, he's saying, if I could just leave. We don't know if he's physically. We don't know if he's despairing about living at that point. Uh, but uh, history would tell us it was a time where he was physically in danger uh, there was a, a foreign army after him and he was really living in a no-man's land and oftentimes when we feel like that when we feel uh, unsafe we usually respond in anger or we just withdraw completely And so we see that a little bit with David. And David, uh, he changes his uh, self-talk sometimes even in the Psalms. Here's here's another one, again, uh, not necessarily in chronological order. He says, why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. You know what was interesting to me a couple months ago when I talked not about fear but something related to it, Uh, depression is, uh, and we looked at an account uh, in scripture of someone who actually, there are a couple people who struggled uh, with that, and I got more response and feedback than I ever had to any other message, uh, because I know that so many of you, uh, just that's an area of struggle. And here's one thing I want you to hear if you don't hear anything else throughout the rest of the message, is that there's hope and that you're not alone. Uh, one, one person shared that uh, literally they had moved out here after trying to end their own life. He said, that's the first time I showed up to church, and I, and I knew that God had something for me. And I want you to know that God has something for you, uh, no matter what the, the fear or the struggle is. So, so we, we read triumphant Uh, verses like Psalm 34 4 where he says I sought the Lord and he answered me he delivered me from all my fears now here's a crazy thing if you've been around the Bible if you're new to the Bible or if you're like me you weren't raised in church you know that's not like true or I didn't think it was true as I read that where it says you've delivered me and I'm like no no that didn't happen he he lost his wife we talked about that last week he was chased from his home His own son rebelled against him. So, and I was thinking about that, that just, that didn't seem true. But then I I was rereading that verse and I realized it didn't say he, God gave me everything I wanted. He delivered me from all my circumstances. What does it say? He delivered me from my fears. And so even in the middle of those challenging difficult sometimes devastating circumstances he said god delivered me from fear that uh, fear did not gain a a, a foothold in his life i shared before uh, that when i first became a pastor over 20 years ago uh, I, preach, you know, I remember preaching a couple sermons like how you can live without fear. And I just want to apologize to everyone who heard those sermons. Because you can't. You can't live without fear. But you can diffuse the power of fear in your life. And uh, one of the ways I, th- I think we can do that is by answering some questions. Uh, there are some questions that are asked in the Psalms. There are some answers that are given... To the questions that David was struggling with, and so, uh, what are some uh, questions that will help us diffuse fear? One is: is my uh, is my God big enough? Is my God big enough? What do I what do I mean uh, by that? You know, I, I don't want you to give the Sunday school answer, like the whole you know the Sunday school story where the answer is always God and Jesus, you know, and uh, you know no matter what the question is. Uh, but I want to go a little bit uh, deeper than that, is what do we really live for? I came here August 13th, uh, 2008, to become pastor here at Timberlake Church. Great. We've loved it, been nearly seven years, looking forward to many years in the future. Uh, September 29th, the... Uh, many would say was the cataclysmic beginning in many ways of the Great Recession. And then you had five of the worst days of stock market history in the next 60 days. The economy went south. Any of you remember that? Well, first thing I have to say is that was not my fault. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was just timing, I, you know. The, but but I, so I'm here I am, I'm pastor of this uh church and they're already looking at me and so forth i remember first time i preach they gave me a hard time for wearing jeans wow i just must not love jesus or something but anyway uh so i'm the new pastor here and as i'm there all this stuff is happening and i'm thinking how do i speak to this pastorally and and the truth is is there's a, a lot of people, a lot of us, who we found success in life. And, and, I, and I knew that people were feeling devastated, literally uh, completely defeated. And really what I f- felt God was saying is that's because their God died, because their God was dead. And so I said that in church, and a lot less people came the next week. <laughs> but the truth is, if, if your career, whatever, whatever you would despair for life for, that is your God. So is your God big enough to transcend a marriage that doesn't make it? And that's a big deal. I don't want to make light of that, of a, of a health scare. Uh, I, I have one of my very good friends went through uh, something pretty traumatic this week. Traumatic injury. And the interesting thing was just the sense that, you know, there's realism in it. But that this will not define me nor defeat me. And that's because his health, which is an important thing, is not his God. Here's what uh, David says. The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? And and then he goes on to say uh, later on, The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it's my enemies and foes that will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. And then in Psalm 56, 3, When I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. David knows who his God is. Uh, And so with that, there's an incredible... I I believe Christians should be the most confident people uh, around because we know, you know, it's like sort of you read the end of the book. We win. Yay! (laughs) You know, it's good news. that's why all the, and I don't mean to call you crazy if you were like this, that's why all the crazies during Y2K, you know, people were mad at me, yelling at me. You need to tell people, we need a bomb shelter in church. We need to get grenades. The world's going to come to an end. Like, literally, I had people yelling at me. And I said, I will not be afraid with you. Because what you, you, that is not from God. That's the opposite of God. So I excuse me if I cannot enter into your fear. Because my God is big enough to handle a computer disaster that never happened. <laughs> okay, uh, number two, <laughs> uh, is, is my mission compelling? Uh, this is related to the first point, uh, Psalm 25.1. In you, Lord my God, I will put my trust. See, see, this is really important. Men, For how are you keeping score these days? You've heard me say plenty of times, do well at work. I think Christians should be, do well, be the best workers, and you should get promotions, make lots of money. Just don't let that be your ultimate scorecard. Uh, so when I was talking to, retired early, had a great, great job, did super well, not, you know, not really a Christ follower and, and been trying to get to know him. And uh, he is just sort of talking about a little bit of malaise and helping him through that. And I said, So what so what are you doing? He described his life, he's not very religious. How about your kids? Well I'm not really you know, they're sort of off doing their thing with their kids th- these days. Well, what do you do? I golf three times a week. I'm like, well, that sounds fun. And, you know, work out, try to keep healthy a little bit. And I said, well, do you do anything, you know, like for charity? Do you, do you help out? Well, nah, I don't really believe in charity. I believe people should help themselves and all of that. I'm like, okay, you know, go ahead. And so the, uh, I said, do you have a dog? Literally, no, dogs are too much work. All of, And basically it came down to... I golf three times a week. And men, you want to get depressed when you retire. And I know some of you are meddling. The church again will be smaller next week. No. Uh, uh, if you want to get depressed and unfulfilled and start getting into probably all sorts of weird stuff that is immoral, there are kids here. Make it your mission to golf three times a week and retire early. God created you to make a difference. God created you to make a difference at your work when you're working, in your home, in your community, but bigger even than any of those for His kingdom. Someone, I don't want to call him out because I don't want to embarrass him. My wife and I got together with a couple. Uh, and uh, they're, I mean, you know, d- you know, good, advanced education, elect a couple times as a public official, has a job, pretty, one of the more significant jobs you can have in the, in, in the state, success by any means. But the conversation was just like pulling teeth to get him to talk about any of those. And most, I'll tell you what, if I did all that that guy did, I would be bragging all the time. I would be impossible to live with. (laughs) Because really pretty successful. But it was all, the conversation just constantly, constantly went back, even though still working, to how I got to serve here, and that's great, and I got to talk to this person about Jesus. And, How significant that was. See, I don't think. See, I think his mission is huge. And if we don't have a big mission, there's something that's particularly for men and women as well. There's something inside us that. It sort of gets into trouble. John Ortberg, he talks about how we have our real mission in his book, The Life You Always Wanted, and our shadow mission. And the real mission is that thing that God's designed you for. And the shadow mission is anything that would try to be a weak substitute for that. Do you get an idea of what God, and if you don't know that, you know, talk to someone in your growth group. Talk to someone in your ministry team. You say, oh, well, I don't, I'm not in a growth group. I'm not in a ministry team. Well, get in a growth group. Get in a ministry team. Understand your mission. Here's what it says in Romans 9.33. The one who believes in him will never be put to shame. Third question. Have I let God heal my hurts? Psalm 116. Now, this one in particular just... Uh, we're not sure who wrote this one. It could have been the words of David, though, uh, where he said, you have freed me from all my chains. And if you look at Dave's, David's life, uh, that the process of God working in his life was often painful, humbling, and messy. But he said, uh, God freed me from all my chains. I was... Uh, stressed out a little uh, while back. And as I, I was stressed out, I was just trying to be quiet, which is, uh, uh, by the way, ladies, that's what men often do when they're sort of, and, and my wife asked me, she said, are, are you a little grumpy today? Which I just responded. I said, no, I'm not grumpy. I totally convinced her. And uh, so I, I literally, literally, that's what I, I told you, ladies, men, are simple they really are you're easy to figure out uh, i said no i'm not grumpy and i said i just want to and I, then i thought why in the world did i act that way and i acted that way because i had uh, I, I went through a couple challenges uh the week before and i felt like you know i probably could have done a better job on the weekend and i had a bunch of exciting but also stressful uh, things that were moving ahead, and and then so finally I I uh, ate a little bit of humble pie about a uh, half hour, hour later, and uh, I came out of my office, and I said, well, I feel pretty stressed. I felt like I did a bad job, and so I'm nervous about what's going ahead, and uh, You know what she said? She said, you shouldn't feel that way. You're a bad person, Ben. No, she didn't (laughs) say that. (laughs) What's the matter with you people that you believe that? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. (laughs) But the truth is, you're afraid of a reaction like that. And that's why you're not honest. And she Honey, anyway, why do not you just tell me that? You were stressed out. Want to pray together? Yeah, there's someone who's really bugging me. I'm going to pray one of the Psalms today, but God bashing their head. No. <laughs> God will heal what you will allow him into. So here's the deal. And I say this, that if you want to be healed and whole, You'll allow Jesus Christ in the middle of it. Uh, There's a man story in the Bible, I'm gonna talk about this real quick, who is lying paralyzed for years. Uh, He sort of bought into a myth like this angel would touch a water and he would be healed. A lot of people did. Then Jesus comes along and it says, When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Crazy question, isn't it? But a real one. Do I want to get past this? Do I want to get past this fear? Do I want to get past this anger? Number four. Have I broadened my perspective? Uh, Have I broadened my perspective? Uh, David says this. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, uh, whose word I praise. In God I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me the funny thing is like when david wrote that they could kill him that's what they could do to him they were hunting him down but see he he didn't change his perspective about the situation he said okay i believe god has created me to be with him for eternity and so if the worst thing happens it's not the worst thing and so if you're walking through life without Jesus Christ, uh, it, it, that, that, no shame in that. I'm just suggesting you don't do that any longer. Because then everything that happens in this moment is the biggest moment of your life. But when you understand that you were created to be in relationship with God for eternity, then, then even if you're walking through a struggle right now, you know you can get through it. Psychologists, by the way, one of the things they do is they help people who are struggling, especially in depression, realize there's a bigger picture of what's going on. Number five, are my priorities changing? And this is really living out the first uh, four. I'm gonna just go through this really quickly. It says Psalm 26.2, test me, uh, O Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. See, my faith increases when I start living it out Uh, it it really does and so one of the reasons that we're always talking to you about taking the next step in jesus christ is simply for you to build your faith Uh, and so whatever that is for you some of you may uh, not have been here we actually had a great attendance on memorial day weekend Uh, but one of the things i did is i gave a challenge if you say hey i'm disconnected growth group's not for me right now to be involved in a ministry team and uh, hundred and thirty-two of you uh, joined a ministry team. A hundred of you who've never been part of one before. And I'm not going to do a big plug here, but, I, but because that was a holiday weekend, I included that in there. That's sort of, hey, I'm living more on God's plan and purposes, and, and, and even though it may be a big part or a small part, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to live out a mission that's God's mission, and there's no bigger mission than God's mission. And that really leads to number six. Who am I living for? David, in the 23rd Psalm, he says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. So next weekend is uh, Father's Day weekend, and, which I've been reminding my children of daily at this point. And uh, so this is, this is not... Not a day that where we're going to go to the opera. We're going to go to the car museum, and because that's an awesome place, and I just feel the Lord's presence when I'm there. <laughs> uh, so the so as I was thinking about that, I, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit next week, as obviously as part of it. I was thinking about how my decisions, whether I give in to fear or whether I live in faith impacted an entire ecosystem of my friendships, of my brothers and sisters, uh, my mom even, and for me because I have an immediate family, my immediate family. And it reminded me of this verse, Joshua 24, 15. Where he's, he's in this, this culture where people are not necessarily wanting to follow God. Can you imagine a culture like that? Sort of one that we live in. And no, notice what he does, what, what he says. This is pretty interesting, I think, instructive for us, and it really for us as a church. He says, So if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose yourself this day you'll serve. And this was pagan gods. Whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living... But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And he knew that the commitment that he was making would influence way more people than he could ever dream of, starting with his family. One of the things uh, as a church, uh, for those of you who have kids, we partner with families Uh, This weekend, uh, a lot of the seniors graduate. Uh, Our high school ministry has just really been tremendous and and even more so. And I I just thought it would be great as we end this service, and even as we look to the next one, uh, that you would just get to see uh, the influence of a family of faith. Because you might uh, be here and you say, hey, there's no dad in the household, or or I'm even struggling, but know that we want to walk with you in that so there's real uh, authentic faith. So, just want to share with you uh, some snippets of just just a few of our seniors' stories.